This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Welcome once again, everybody, to Blockbuster Mentality. I'm your host, Ben. Before we get started, make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Spotify, all that, and rate and review us. It takes 30 seconds. We'd really appreciate it. We've been climbing those charts, so please give us a rating that, uh, again, helps us out a lot. You guys have been doing great with that, so keep it up. Um, Another fun show common saying at the beginning of every show but come on this is fun we're having fun uh and we are joined me and dave by uh another impractical joker uh james murray aka murr from impractical jokers joins us uh to first of all talk about his new book the stowaway uh which sounds very intriguing he describes the concept and and the plot and everything in the show so stay tuned for that and uh, we talk a little impractical jokers uh and we we decided you know we were gonna talk national treasure um that's the movie uh Murr picked uh but it mainly just became a a nick cage talk so <laughs> you know we did cover national treasure a little but uh be yeah, a lot of tangents which we always love we always love the the tangents to to go on makes it more fun more spontaneous uh but uh it was still a lot of fun a lot of great stories from Murr, a lot of laughs in this one so i think you're gonna enjoy it uh make sure you're following us on twitter at blockbuster cast and instagram at blockbuster mentality that's where you'll get all the updates on the show also blockbustermentality.com if you go there and uh, click where you want to listen to the episode, that helps us out too. Uh, traffic on that website uh, helps support the show. So uh, can uh, start using that, you know, blockbustermentality.com. That's a, you know, one, one-stop shop, I guess you could say. It's got our YouTube channel and Spotify links, Apple links, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you can find it. Uh, one more time, I'm going to plug it blockbustermentality.com uh, but uh, anyway uh, another great talk with an impractical joker got two more to go we're coming for you Sal and Joe we did Q a few weeks ago now Murr and uh, Sal and Joe we're coming for you but this is all about Murr today the great Murr from impractical jokers here is our conversation hello guys Murr, what's up, man? <laughs> Look, I see you. I see you brought a friend. I brought. I always bring a friend with me. Yeah, yeah. That is glorious. My Look at that. <laughs> oh man, oh uh, man, that's and that's like recent cage too. So you, that, you that's you, new cage and see. <laughs> NC new cage. Oh man, that is great. What, is that just, is that is that in your oh, house? Sorry, you, you, I'm sorry, dude. That's that's Nick Cage. Like, oh, I ref- that's he's a buddy of ours. What are you talking about? I, I refer to him as that. You know it. Yeah. You know <laughs> yeah. uh, that is that is. Uh, I had a national treasure themed birthday party this year. Oh my uh, And Nick Cage made an appearance, and he stayed in the house ever since. <laughs> cardboard form. So uh, for listeners out there, yes, there's a. Is this just audio too, or video as well? No, we'll we'll post the video. We got to okay. now. So if you're just listening to the podcast, yes, I have a six foot two cardboard cutout of Nicolas Cage behind me right now on video, <laughs> and it is glorious. And it's just it's towering over him. I know. We have, so so just keep it clean, gentlemen, because I got Nick yeah. here in the house. Yeah, we'll <laughs> be sure to keep it clean with Nick he, around. He will whisper something menacing if uh, we say something wrong. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, no, that is absolutely brilliant. Um, how uh, I see you've been 
married a year now. I saw your, I have, your year. I just in- celebrated my one year wedding anniversary, and this is how well my wife knows me. As I mentioned, she threw a surprise birthday party for me that was National Treasure themed. It had everything. We had all sorts of puzzles. We she recreated the movie in different parts of our house and backyard, and like there were all sorts of like different puzzles from the movie, the glasses, things like that. And I had to solve all these riddles in order to get to the final clue, my actual birthday gift. And when I solved like four or five puzzles throughout the house, the backyard, the final gift I had to dig up, just like in the end of National Treasure, he goes into the the tombstone, goes down below Trinity Church to find the the prize. And when I finally dug out the prize from under the tombstone, uh, it was a birthday card. When I opened it up, it was just a, one of those audio birthday cards. You open up, and there's a sound effect. Right, yeah. And it's just my wife going, fart <laughs> sound. So the whole quest was for nothing. Oh, man. Yeah, that'll, oh, yeah, that's that's rough. That's you rough. Married well. But yeah, you did marry very well. Congrats Thank on you. that. <laughs> she she obviously gets your humor. That's for sure. She gets it. She gets why I live. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is great. Um, speak, speaking of marriages, Dave Dave really was curious about this one. I had um, missed it in the show. Yeah. So this is actually your second marriage, right, Mer? Uh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> very good. I like the very very funny gentleman. Yes. The, my first marriage was to Sal's sister. Although we never mailed the paperwork in, so it wasn't quite legal. But the the marriage certificate was a legal document by the city clerk's office. Okay. So so you didn't have to put married on this current... I did uh, not. Although I got in trouble once. Years ago, I was uh, was seeing a girl, and we were dating for a few weeks, and she says... She got all upset one night. I said, what's going on? She goes, "My, you know, we just... You're not being truthful to me. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, my mother looked you up. I said, okay. She goes, you're married. I was like, what? She goes, you're married to Sal's sister. Why don't you tell me? Like, she thinks I'm like being cagey. I was like, she thinks I'm being Nick Cagey. (laughs) I said, I said, I'm not, I'm not, that was a joke on the TV show. And the internet says I'm married to Sal's sister. It's a joke. (laughs) I promise. It was just a prank. My friends pulled on me, you know, (laughs) and never consummated. No, no, no. Sal would have murdered me. I would be dead right now. He'd be having to do with a corpse. I would, he would have murdered me. Now, is she someone you, I mean, you obviously went to high school with Sal and everything. So, so you guys say anyways, um, yes. uh, did you, do you, do you know his sister? Like, do you guys? Yeah, well, I mean, our, our whole lives. We've yeah. Been, you know, she was a kid. We've known her, I've known her for as long as I've known Sal, like, like a sister to us. There's no right. way. You know? <laughs> uh, although uh, I'd be a damn good brother-in-law. Though, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead, Dave. Uh, no, I was just coughing. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is things- excited for a conversation. Yes, absolutely. Uh, before we get into the movie, obviously, we want to you know talk a little bit about uh, what you got going on. I see uh, this is you recently had a book released. Is that just released? Right. The Stowaway. It just came out a few days ago. We had the book launch last week. It is uh, our fifth book. Uh, tomorrow, I reveal the cover for our sixth book that comes out next March, and we have uh, eight altogether coming out. But the Stowaway is the brand new one. It is about a serial killer on a cruise ship. Uh, it's awesome, man! It's so good. the The Excellent. idea, the idea is this: it's about a woman named Maria Fontana who is uh, a juror on the serial killer case of the century. This guy has been accused of ritualistically and horrifyingly murdering a number of innocent children. And she can't bring herself to find him guilty, so he goes free. Two years later, she's on a transatlantic cruise with her fiancé and her two twin kids. And halfway across the Atlantic, three days in any direction from land or from help, kids start disappearing on the boat in the same way they did on the, on the trial two years earlier. And she's the only one with the knowledge of the case that could possibly stop the killer. Was it, is it the killer on board? Is it a copycat? Or is it something far more mysterious going on? And she's the only one that can save the, the passengers before uh, the killer strikes again. It's a Fantastic. great page-turning read a la uh, Silence of the Lamps. Yeah, that's, that does sound very intriguing. What, how long did it come up with? Or did you right away know you wanted to have the uh, setting of a cruise ship? Oh, you know, it, it's, it was an unusual book, The Stowaway. It, it, uh, most books that we uh, sell, we... Uh, my co-writer Darren or my co-writer Carson and I will come up with the idea. We'll uh, spend two, three days kind of beating it out and what happens. We'll write it into a quick summary and we'll go into publishers to pitch it and then and they buy it. 
Uh, and then we have to write the damn thing. Yeah. Uh, no way happened totally differently. So it happened um, spontaneously over lunch. Uh, I said to, uh, we took the uh, editor out from St. Martin's Press and I said, tell me what you're interested in. What, what do you like? And he goes, you know, I like uh, crime stories, things like that. I was like, okay. He goes, uh, you know, I like, I, I think there might be something on a cruise ship. I haven't seen any books like set on a cruise ship. So spontaneously over lunch, I said to him, I was like, what about a serial killer on a cruise ship with a juror that acquitted him trapped on board? Uh, and he's like, whoa, like it was just <laughs> totally spontaneous. Uh, and he bought it at lunch over a three line verbal pitch. And then Darren and I took the subway back to my old apartment and we're like, shit, now we got to come up with a damn story. What <laughs> happens? You know, it's easy to come up with a hook. Now you got to execute and write the damn thing. <laughs> so that, that, that's how, that book was an unusual sales approach, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it yeah. did. Uh, um, now with uh, the only thing you said, uh, you know, you never heard of, okay, I keep thinking, um, speed to cruise control for some reason yeah. <laughs> that's we, we old... modeled most of the soy after speed two yeah. took all the worst parts of speed two and we made that into a novel <laughs> brilliant brilliant what, what, what would you guys have done had i chosen speed two cruise control uh, you know we, we would have went with it pretended we were so glad you picked it and yeah, uh you know nodded approvingly and yeah, uh, yeah. the best idea ever because yeah. gentlemen it's not too late is all i'm saying i happen to have a who's the guy in speed two What's his name? Oh, uh, I mean, they have, I mean, Willem Dafoe's in it, I know, right? Yeah, Isn't he the bad the, guy? Who's the Keanu Reeves character? Keanu Reeves. Uh, oh, man. Oh, so uh, was it Jason Patrick or something Jason like that? Patrick. Yeah. Uh, is it Jason Patrick? Jason <laughs> I Patrick. think it is. Right? Jason Patrick. What if I ha- happen to have off camera right now another Jason Patrick cardboard cutout? I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I would, wouldn't, would, I wouldn't doubt it. Fucking blown if I pull <laughs> that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> he just like pulls it with like a string. And Gentlemen, <laughs> excuse me one moment. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, that would be, I, I'm. <laughs> That would, this would be our last podcast because there. Yeah, I mean, you have to uh, you have to go out on a high. Yeah, it'll never it'll never be greater than that moment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, so, what's your what's your uh, writing style like? Having a is it? I mean, do you call each other co-writers? Like, who, um, who's who's your uh, writing partner? Uh, so, on uh, the Wakens trilogy, which is a sci-fi thriller series that came out a few years ago and wrapped up last year, uh, Darren uh, Weirmouth is my co-writer on Don't Move. Uh, which is uh, uh, it's around here somewhere. Let me find it. Murr is standing up. He's not wearing pants. He is oh, not. He's got shorts. Uh, I saw a bit of thigh. I yeah. am wearing pants. <laughs> yes, just, he is uh, wearing pants. Just short Don't pants. Move is, uh, Don't move is a horror that came out uh, last year. Uh, which is really and this one's being turned into a movie. The screenplay is so so good. Great. Uh, that's with Darren as well. Uh, the stowaway is with Darren, and then. Uh, we decided to venture into, and in the stowaway is mystery thriller. Uh, and then next year, three books come out uh, with Penguin Random House called Area 51 Interns. It's a children's book series, uh, middle grade. It's oh. about a bunch of kids who uh, whose parents just so happen to work, to work at Area 51. And uh, the parents take their kids to work, you know, bring your kids to work day. And the day these kids, these uh, kids that are about to go into high school, go to Area 51, all hell breaks loose. All the adults get captured, and it's up to the kids to save the day. So at the end of book one, the parents offer them a summer internship. And uh, in every subsequent book, another crazy thing goes haywire in Area 51, and the kids have to solve the problem. So it could be the first book, of course, is about aliens because it's Area 51. Second book is about mythical creatures. So you've got uh, big, uh, Bigfoot. You've got the Chupacabra, everything like that. Third book is probably about time travel, you know, anything and everything that could be Area 51. That's awesome. And, uh, and that starts, and that's with my uh, my employee uh, and colleague, uh, Carson Smith, uh, okay. and she's excellent at it too. So that's our first foray into that. But then later this year, Darren and I are pitching uh, two more books. Uh, one is another serial killer novel, and uh, the other is a, a novella uh, that involves uh, the multiverse. Excellent. Ooh, nice. Now, now you, yeah. mentioned, uh, you mentioned your love of... Uh, puzzles um yeah and sort of your you write mysteries and you said that how the kids have to solve problems is like was that your sort of way of thinking is that how you approach in your writing is that always kind of on your mind uh when you when you're crafting a story that uh, puzzles that problem solving and characters trying to figure everything out yeah i think so I, I think our writing style is our books read like an episode of the tv show 24 because my, my job long before jokers for a decade i, I ran tv development for a company 
the company that makes jokers, right? So my job was to create and sell TV shows for a living. So in the span of a decade, I pitched probably a thousand TV show ideas and wrote thousands of treatments for TV shows. And uh, so our books read like TV show treatments, meaning that they are fast paced, page turning, cliffhanger kind of endings to chapters, very visual. You give them the sizzle, not the steak, so to speak. Uh, and the books read that way. They read like an episode of TV, you know, and uh, I forgot the question. That's that was good, good enough. Yeah. yeah. As long as you talk, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's like, what we're just looking for. Kind of filling, filling time. Another yeah. hypothetical. What if I got on the podcast right now and I sat here with Nick Cage over my shoulder, staring at the two of you and never answered a single goddamn question? I mean, and it was like really uncomfortable. First, it's like quiet. You're like, okay, Mark, what do you want? And I, I just go, Ugh. you know, I just kind of grunt a little. And then another minute goes by, you kind of awkwardly laugh. And eventually, you have to end the podcast. It's just, it's just silence. Among I that. mean, I think we would just start talking to each other. And then, I, you know, just, practical jokers, the guest podcaster. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I do have a, a follow up on the uh, on your rambling answer where you forgot the question. Was I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> you pitched like a thousand. A thousand shows. Uh, oh, I remember your question. So yes, I see. I got back to the question. Uh, well, yes, we like writing. I have another smart, question. <laughs> we like writing smart characters that uh, that overcome obstacles and outthink the opponents. You know, when I watch movies in particular, I freaking can't stand dumb decisions. You know what I mean? It drives me crazy. Like a lot of horror movies, you're like, why? Why would they do that? No one would do that. You right. Know? And so my favorite. Thrillers, horror movies, movies in general are the ones where the characters are just smart as shit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Something else I've noticed in movies, because I just saw the movie um, Old, it was a, the latest M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I watched that, it too. That really drives me nuts is when me as the, as the viewer, the audience member, is way ahead of the characters. I'm like, I know what's happening here. What are you waiting with, with the camera for a reveal that? The whole audience knows. Like, so just get yeah, to it. it's a. Uh, I love M Night Shyamalan. We're watching the TV show Servant right now. Did you guys see that? No, I've I've been meaning so to. I, I missed it about two years ago when it came out. It's a. They have season three is coming out soon. Oh wow! It, but you know, you, you've probably seen the trailer if you guys are movie guys. Uh, the, the 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 premise is a woman has lost her child and has one of those very lifelike uh, dolls. Oh yeah. That she's been sleeping with you. The trailer hit big like two years ago but of course what happens at the end of episode one the child comes to life the doll comes to life rather and it's like you know so i, I like m i Shyamalan a lot um old was frustrating to me for the same exact reason you're saying though which is we're t- we're 10 steps ahead of the characters and so it's frustrating because you're watching each character catch up to what the audience already knows yeah almost immediately and in that sense it backfires you know yeah, yeah. i felt the same frustration watching the movie yeah, I mean it's different. I mean sometimes it's it's good for the audience to know something before the characters, but it has to be done right. Like it has yeah. to be has to build tension in a good way and not just like what are you doing, you idiot? You know, it's kind of <laughs> that, that being said, when the guys and I were on tour for Jokers and we went to see uh, the movie um, Split oh, in yeah. the theaters, we yeah. went. We literally went from stage performing right into a car, right into the movie theater. Literally seven minutes after we left stage the audience is probably still clearing out the theater but we were already seated to watch split and at like 10 30 at night right and uh and we're watching love the movie yeah. and then the end scene with bruce willis literally the four is like what? the whole theater was like no one got it right because no right. one was and like no one knew uh unbreakable what have you we stood up i was like oh my god i had he totally got me man i didn't yeah. realize it was the same universe as unbreakable i loved it well that i have always praised that is just you know them not marketing it that way. They marketed yep. it as a just an M Night new M Night Shyamalan movie. They never said anything about Unbreakable, and then for that to be the twist, like it was a twist for Unbreakable fans. It like was it wasn't. Great. It was wasn't, brilliant, and I think I think the movie had premiered at South by Southwest, maybe, and the and I've been following the reviews, and the audience from South by Southwest said, "Is you're not going to believe the end credits? It's unbelievable. We can't." And no one spoiled it. Yeah, from that's... the week of premiere to when it came out in theaters, no one spoiled the surprise. I love it. Yeah, especially nowadays, it's everything gets yeah. spoiled. So, yeah. <laughs> um, now before we're going to obviously get into the movie, but before that, I mean, we got to ask. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little impractical jokers. Um, what uh, <laughs> I know, we ask Q this too, but like, what's what's your uh, favorite uh, sketch to do, or you know, your favorite scenario? Is it the focus groups or yeah, the Q said you know, the PowerPoint presentations? That's what he said. 
I think uh, th- there's a challenge where all four of us are in the same room trying to make <laughs> each other laugh secretly. Those are always great. Yeah. If someone many years from now, uh, if like my, my grandkids were, say, uh, you know, Grandpa Murr, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, 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 what was Impractical Jokers? And when I'm rambling about how I used to be famous, you know, uh, and I'm like, sure, you are a grandpa, right? Uh, as they're watching holograms on their Oculus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oculus 17 or whatever it is, right? So uh, I think if they were to ask me what was the perfect moment of the TV show, I would tell them one scene in particular that I think is the... I, the, the epitome of the best of the show, right? There was a scene, a challenge where we're playing receptionists, which is always a home run because it's just all of our terms are so different. It's just really funny. And Joe was sitting on one of those posture bouncy balls, you know, like <laughs> yeah. sit on at a desk, you know, yeah. and he's sitting on it. And we said, Joe, go to sit on the ball and just fly off it, you know, bounce and fly <laughs> off it. And this woman's sitting in the room watching him do this. He sits, boom, flies, knocks an entire garbage can, can over. <laughs> Out of the garbage can comes flying a half-eaten sandwich. <laughs> and he takes the sandwich and starts eating like nom, 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 nom. Q laughs so hard he starts throwing up in a bucket. <laughs> the sound of Q throwing up makes Sal throw up because he's such a germaphobe. Meanwhile, I'm oblivious to the whole thing and I'm eating roast pork lo mein the whole time. Right. I think it's the perfect 30 seconds of the TV show ever. <laughs> it's not, folks, it's not Sopranos, it's not Breaking Bad, it's. Uh, impractical jokers that has the greatest 30 seconds of television ever <laughs> no i'm saying the greatest 30 seconds of our television show oh, <laughs> the I... second to last episode of breaking bad beats anything ever made <laughs> well yeah, yeah that is true i I'll, uh, yes <laughs> uh, but, no, that... and the last episode of um season one of the good place when ted danson reveals that he's evil Oh right, yeah. That's Come like on. whoa! The smile, the laughter. Oh my yeah, God. it's like what? Wait a minute! What, what just happened here? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, now, obviously, you got you got Nick Cage in the background there, as yeah. we already discussed. Already discussed that you had a national treasure uh, birthday theme uh because you are you are thirteen years old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, we usually ask, I mean, I obviously know now that it's it's one of your favorites and you have birthday themes of it, uh, but w- why why this movie? Why did you pick this movie? What it is, What is it about this movie? You know, I'm a sucker for history. I'm a sucker for conspiracy theories. I'm a huge conspiracy theory buff. I watch 10 videos a day on it and, and know every conspiracy. So we have a conspiracy board game. Do you guys know what this game is? Conspiracy the Game, it's called. No. Uh, no. It's called- the company sent me an expansion pack because I think I tweeted about it or something. <laughs> uh, it's it's no fair playing with me because I know every goddamn answer. You yeah. Know? Uh, right. So my wife got it for me uh, a year ago for Christmas, and I just I crush everyone at it. You know, yeah. I know every conspiracy out there that's ever been made. You know, I'm a sucker for ancient aliens on TV. You know, so yeah. when it comes and by the way, going back in time to high school, so all, the guys and I were all in the same music class right and it's taught by mr christensen who is a massive conspiracy freak right and he would spend the entirety of our music theory class not talking about music he would instead we we as you know we're all boys catholic high school we would bait him uh and (laughs) talk about conspiracies and then you know that he would go on a rant about the all-seeing eye and about uh you know uh, if you play records backward, you hear the devil. If you play the Eagles backward and the real meaning of Hotel California and the secret symbols and the dollar bill and how it's, you know, the uh, Illuminati, right. you know, he would just go off. And suddenly you'd have an hour long music class that you didn't speak about music at all. You didn't learn a single thing about music <laughs> because all he did was talk about the Illuminati for an hour. Yeah. You know? Ask so him about the moon landing or whatever. So I think it was instilled in me in an early age, you know, this kind of love for conspiracy theories. And uh, I, I, I'm a massive conspiracy theory buff. So you can see how National Treasure combines a lot yeah. of things. Love. Nicolas Cage, <laughs> who's my favorite actor of all time. Oh, OK. Conspiracy theories, specifically American history conspiracy theories. Yeah. Mixed with, I mean, John Voight. Come on. Can't be <laughs> John Voight. Uh, man, and we got Christopher Plummer in the I beginning, love too. I love that it's, a, it's less... It's more polished than Indiana Jones, right? It's, it's less dirty, right? Indiana Jones is overall a better movie, of course, but we're not here to talk about Indiana Jones. We all <laughs> love Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I will tell you, in my house, 
I do have the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> as well. Okay. The actual <laughs> one from we built years? a two scale replica size Ark of the Covenant. It's in my house. <laughs> anyway. Somewhere, uh, somewhere in his waterproof. house. I don't know why, but it is. Uh, so you can <laughs> bathe in it if you wanted to fill it with water. Anyways, <laughs> but, so we're not here to talk, talk about right. Ark. It's already a great movie, but that has that is a bit grittier. Uh, National Treasure is certainly more Disneyfied. Yeah. Uh, but I like that. Sometimes it, it's a great popcorn movie. You can't go wrong. It's hokey and funny and charming. And uh, and it's I love the it. There's the Holy Grail right there. I got the I got the Holy now Grail right here. The carpenter. That yes, exactly. Very that good. is the cup. That's not it's Very not the good. gorgeous one. I I actually got this on on Amazon and it came like red with like gold dots on it. So I actually painted it myself. So you know, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got all sorts of stuff around too. Just uh, to show you, this is the cryptics from uh, Da Vinci Code. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah nice. That. Like you, of course, I've got a DeLoreans all over the house. I've got a Ghostbuster proton back here. This is the coolest. <laughs> This you can't get. I know a guy that makes them. Uh, do you guys remember the movie from the eighties, Krull? Um, I never no, I do. Uh, that looks very familiar. Yes, you but... remember Krull? <laughs> Other than a lightsaber, the greatest movie weapon of all time. Wow, look at that! Is it... Exactly two scale, exactly exact replica. They don't make them anymore. I know a guy in Canada does it. Anyways, it's not legal at all. <laughs> I, I see them out as gift regularly to people, but this is the you recognize the weapon of Crow, right? This is a famous. Yeah, weapon. yeah, definitely. Uh, he's I, I, got, I got a movie prop guy. What, you know, I got I got a guy. You know, <laughs> now you, you're a cons- conspiracy. Th- theory buff now are you one to buy into conspiracy theories are you no, I, I, I like watching from a distance i'm yeah. not about to you know storm the capital <laughs> yeah no <laughs> like that. i i just like uh i, I just love that stuff also yeah. i'm a huge it's my puppies here everybody hello papa baby girl hey puppy uh, yeah i'll show you this, this papa for those watching this on video is my... <laughs> look at that <laughs> there's <puppy songs. laughs> So, uh, no, I, I just love conspiracy. I love, I love movies like that, too. And um, and I'm a huge science buff, too. So um, so those two s- sometimes go hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I, uh, that's what I like about it, too, is the, the history element. I, I, I <laughs> Conspiracy theories, too. I think... Um, I think there's an element of truth in some conspiracy theories. You know, there's probably some society that does secret society that does something, whether it's exactly what you'll read on Twitter or something, probably not. Um, but I, I think the ancient alien stuff too, <laughs> that draws me in. I believe Straight in Bigfoot. Um, so, <laughs> or at least I want to believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you guys watched the movie Bigfoot? It just it came out maybe six months ago on streaming. Yeah. So, I started watching that and then I stopped because it didn't seem like it was about Bigfoot at all. But other than a journalist going, I mean, do I need to keep, do I need to finish the movie? You do not. In fact, keep, you need to keep finishing that movie. No, you <laughs> see, I, I'm here to tell you, you're done watching it. I just saved you another half hour of your life. I've given it back to the podcast right now. That was total <laughs> bait and switch, it. right? It does not end good. Although there's a very funny, uh, I think, uh, I think decapitation scene, or maybe it was his army pulls off at the end. Bigfoot oh, really? <laughs> finally comes in at the very end, but it's not good, man. It's not a good movie. <laughs> I was so mad at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I don't know anything about it, so you know, you guys, you guys talk away. Um, <laughs> I don't want to uh, say anymore. But, but you, like you said, Dave, uh, uh, Christopher Plummer's in this. You got John Voight. You got uh, um, Diane Kruger. Uh, the the guy from the hangover uh doug from the hangover yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he's great man he, he yeah. riley he plays riley pool right that's right yeah and uh yeah so yeah i mean it's it's a it's a history movie it's a conspiracy movie so now i i've only seen it i think this is my second watch of this i, I watched it again for the for the show um so it, was his family part of the Freemasons? Is that what they were yeah, saying? You know, it like, comes from Freemason lore, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you my favorite, my favorite moments in National Treasure. Uh, gosh, there's so many. I love, <laughs> uh, in only the, uh, the way the 90s could do this, but pre-internet, but I love how they, how they source uh, how to break into, uh, you know, 
<laughs> uh, to had to steal the Declaration of Independence. By the way, have you watched the entire series, the entire uh, sketch on Saturday Night Live? They've done it like 10 times. Uh, Kate, uh, uh, Andy Samberg plays Nick Cage. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. oh, I'm not in this movie. You know? <laughs> yep. uh, and it's funny. And eventually it comes full circle. And Andy Samberg dresses Nick Cage, interviews the real Nick Cage on Saturday Night Live for the Weekend Update. Yep. <laughs> on Cage or whatever the bit is called. Man, it's funny. It's great. But yeah, I love like the, the optimism uh, and 90s, you know, only the 90s could pull this off. The idea that two regular folks could somehow think their way into stealing the, the Declaration of Independence, right? <laughs> and it works, man. You go back and watch it with the freaking laser pointer and, and you know, the, the temperature readings and he gets the fingerprint off the glass in a very elegant way. Right. Uh, you know, it's just so, so smart. Unscrews it, he stops the bullets with the glass because it's yeah. you know, bulletproof. Meanwhile, the other guy's trying to barrel down everything. It's it's uh, brains versus brawn, you know? Right. Like, I love how optimistic that is, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I freaking love that. I also used to live uh, when we started Jokers. Joe Gatter and I were roommates on Wall Street. We used to live on the corner of Wall and uh, Broadway, you know, right, oh, I mean, okay. right there with the yeah. stock exchanges, right on, uh, on the other corner from where Trinity Church is and Nick and the whole Freemason treasure is down there. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times Man. I've tried to sneak into Trinity Church, and, you know, <laughs> bust through a tombstone. See what I find, because you know, you know, when you live in New York City, too. Where do you guys live? We're in Tampa, Tampa. Florida. Yeah. Okay, Tampa doesn't have as many layers because you just hit swampland. If you go yeah, to it's just but water. Yeah. New York City, you can dig down. Uh, obviously, the city is there's a hundred layers below the surface of the of the streets, right? Uh, and it's very complicated. Anytime you see them dig into an intersection, it goes down 50, 60 feet. And it's layer after layer after layer of, and this before you even get to the subway tunnels, right? Right. Just yeah. you know, gas, electric, sewer, but you know, it's just layer after layer, so complicated. The crisscrossing cables because the city is so old, and then that's before you even get to the subway tunnels that are layer and layer and layer. You know, the, the, most of the city is underground. You know, it is. Uh, it stands to to reason that underneath, <laughs> you know, uh, Trinity Church, why wouldn't there be a Freemason treasure? Of right. course there is. That's <laughs> where I would put it. He yeah. denies that he believes in any of these things, and yet that's where his mind keeps going. So Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Yeah, they, they, they misdirect uh, John uh, – what's his name? The bad guy. Don't yeah, Sean Bean. Yeah. yeah. You know, Sean meanwhile, Be- the real tra- – you know, and what I love about the movie – that t- don't think of the movie now. Think of the movie when you first saw it. In, what year did it come out? 1990 what? No, it was actually 2004. Was it? Yeah, it's early 2000s. Damn. It's basically 90s. Yeah, oh, they, they have 95 on it for yeah. So, so okay, so it's it's got the 90s, you know, early two, 2000s like, yeah. optimism of for Disney, you know, like, like we can do anything. America is still great kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But uh, what I love is the reversal at the end where you think they, because it's so easy to do that shit in movies where the, the, even though they don't find the treasure, it's about, you know, the, the treasure within they found, you know, exactly. The they form, they still believe in it. We'll keep looking. You could see the movie ending there. Yeah, like, definitely. Right. Yeah, they could have like taught a lesson that, okay, you know, we accomplished could, something. Yeah. Yeah. To, co- to compare it to Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark, they find the Ark of the Covenant and it disappears. And it's in the, a great iconic ending was this giant warehouse of government secrets and world secrets. And the warehouse is, bigger than like a super Walmart. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's satisfying and frustrating at the same time, the movie, the end of the movie. Right. Uh, and uh, national treasure doesn't go there, man. It gives you the ending you want. You think it's going to end in that shitty way. And you're like, okay, so right. take yourself back to 2004. When you first saw the movie, you're like, all right, they didn't find it, but it's still, it's kind of cool. The whole journey was cool. And then the, the there's another cool clue. Right. You see everything. It's great. Yeah, I remember thinking. I remember thinking, like, ah, oh, you know, I get why they're ending it this way, but this is one of those movies where I, I want them to find the treasure. So, yeah. like, where is it? Like, because you're like Nicolas Cage in this movie. The audience is like, you're wanting yeah. to believe. You're wanting to believe there's something out there. You got your dad telling you that it's it's not there. It's just clue after clue after clue. Uh, but yeah, when that moment hits, when you see like the shape of the of the ship thing, the the Charlotte, um, and 
you know, you're like, oh, okay, all right. And then, yeah, he finds Straight, it. Man. Like, think, think of every other movie you know. I, I bet you lots of movies like this don't give you that ending. Think of Da Vinci Code. We were talking about that before. Right, yeah. Right? You want them to find the holy grail. He figures it out. At the end, he's sitting on top of the, the Louvre, right? Uh, the, 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 you know, and the right. holy grail is, is underneath and he can't get to it. And, and you never get the moment where he actually discovers the holy grail. Yeah. Right. He doesn't actually do it. They they get to the whatever the chapel is, whatever, and then the you know the uh, whoever comes in the Illuminati, whoever you know, <laughs> yeah, the- and, and you never get it. You never get the satisfying ending. It's what? always alluded to, and they, they they don't figure it out, or they don't get to the final stage. So many movies do that to you. Yeah, you know, it, it's satisfying on two levels, right? Because underneath it all is trying to prove that we don't come from a line of crazy people who have been passing along this one phrase. Uh, and in search for something that doesn't exist. So at least you can just, we weren't nuts. <laughs> it was actually real. Our great, 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 yeah. great grandparents. That's, that's another great thing about the movie. Like it starts with a kid in an attic, right? Looking through his grandfather's old stuff. And this, this kind of legend has been passed down from generation to generation of the, uh, of the family. I think that's a super universal, what a smart way to begin a movie. I think it's a super universal feeling, right? So I remember as a kid going to my parents' basement and looking through my grandparents' stuff that was now in their basement, right? Uh, And just like my parents' stuff is in my basement now and notebooks and writings from my father and, you know, and we found love letters and things like from my grandmother to my grandfather and stuff like that, you know, and and it's almost like you, you, you reach a certain age where when you're young, that stuff doesn't matter, right? And you're right. at a certain age where suddenly that stuff is interesting again. And it's like a moment in time. And uh, I love that stuff. I, I love that we've all been through it. You all reach a stage where suddenly your parents or grandparents who you loved but never were interesting to you, you want to learn about that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, it, you always wonder, like, what are the secrets that your family has? You know, like we um, we do that all the time. So I'll show you an example. One second. Yeah. Well, yeah. where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, It'd be funny. Funny if he just walks out and doesn't come back. Just and we're, <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just gone forever. I, I, I don't know where it is right now. It's somewhere in the room. But um, so we. I, I love burying stuff. <laughs> okay. What what do you have buried? What what what's buried? Uh, what does so, that mean? So I bury stuff to for future generations to find all the time. <laughs> Do you put well, I like get, your... I, I get uh, on Amazon? I get a little treasure chest. They're around, yes. right? I get a little treasure chest and I go to some place and I bury it. That's cool. Yeah, I mean that's I, you know. It's... So, so uh, yeah, right. Like so, around my property, there's like. Well, and then what we do is uh, uh, usually for 4th of July, I have like 20, 30 metal detectors and I give them out to the kids and I say, anything you find, you keep. And every treasure chest has money in it. Uh, and But okay. we, never, we can never keep track of where they are. So there's undoubtedly lots of them still buried with $20 bills in them. But we go out to the public too and I just bury a hole and stick something in there for a future generation to find. What I was actually looking for was time capsules <laughs> around somewhere. But uh, you know, I, I think it's an awesome tradition too. I love burying time capsules. Right? Well, that's uh, my son has one in the backyard, and uh, maybe four years ago now. So, like, I want we kind of want to bury it up, you know, dig it up, but it's yep. like, no, let's wait a little longer, you know, because the the longer time goes on and you find it, it's like, yeah. okay, this is even more special, you yeah. know. Um, the it, other thing, not to get too off the topic, I, no, I don't know how structured tan- this is. No, we're tan- but, we're tangent. Welcome, okay. tan- go on tangent. Please leaving random things on people's property without them knowing. <laughs> example, pl- example, please. Well, I'll give you an example. So we've been doing this joke for like three months, and we finally got busted about a week ago. And it, but it went on for three months, so I'm just freaking a neighbor out. So I, I, a neighbor down the block from us has the, the, the older couple, lovely folks, and they do their own gardening and landscaping, and they built this kind of like little garden of rocks. Uh, they built two little gardens of rocks, right? like a little rock wall, almost like a little teeny stone Stonehenge, if you will. And uh, it was really lovely. And so I ordered a, a gnome, a male gnome on Amazon, and we snuck it into one of the gardens and took a picture of it. It just appeared one day, right? But we waited about a week or two. Like two weeks later, I ordered a female gnome <laughs> her in the other garden. 
not facing each other, just looking out. We took a right. picture of it too. Then we waited a few more weeks, and then we turned the gnomes toward each other because they finally noticed each other and got attracted. <laughs> <laughs> then a week later, we moved the female gnome next to the male gnome because they moved in together. <clears throat> Another week goes by, I ordered a little baby gnome, and I put it there because now they had a child, right? <laughs> then we ordered uh, a Corvette gnome, a Corvette car. And they have split, that? Split, oh, okay. We split the couple up. Uh, because they go, they're going through a divorce and the husband's going through a midlife crisis and he bought a Corvette, right? And then we bought a better looking male gnome to move in with a female gnome. Oh, that's the divorced female gnome. And now, week after week, we'd have the baby going from one garden to the other so we have joint custody of the child. Oh, God. Oh. We did it for like two months straight. The is being back and forth. Meanwhile, the wife has got this better looking gnome she's shacking up with. The husband bought a Corvette because now he's going through life crisis. I thought it was hysterical. Finally, a week ago, we're walking on the block and the guy is out there gardening. And uh, I'm, we're walking by with the dog. I was like, shoot, we better you know keep a straight face. We struck up a conversation with the guy. And he says, hey, guys, I have a question for you. And I was like, shit, we're about to get busted. And he goes, you guys have any idea where these gnomes keep coming from? <laughs> I, 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 he said, he said, I thought it was your neighbor. I, you know, I thought it was our, my neighbor. I said, right. said, I talked to him. It wasn't him. And my family has been like, we've sent a hundred emails about this. <laughs> Anytime they come over for dinner, we'll try to figure out. We can't figure out who keeps leaving the and moving around. And I said, well, do you have any suspects? And he goes, yeah, you. I, like, I forgot that years ago. The guys and I on Jokers did a Travelocity commercial, and they had us using the Travelocity gnome, right? Yeah. So we typed in on Google James Murray gnome to see if I might have any connections to gnomes. You're a, you're a very known this, gnome guy, right? This Travelocity commercial from six years ago came up, and he knew it was me. I said, look, I hope you don't take offense. We're just having a lot of fun with this, story, this fake storyline created about these, you know, this fake relationship. They thought it was a little hysterical. So. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, that had to be so confusing like, <laughs> coming out. I wonder if they were thinking of that story too. Like, they thinking have like, to, because right, I, yeah. I think the storyline tracks, you know? Yeah, I'm an I author. Mean it's... You know what I'm saying? Like, I know how to tell a good story. This couple I... started out with love, yeah. child, in midlife hits, the seven year itch, what have you. He gets a Corvette, <laughs> she moves out, finds a better looking gnome. It's, you know, boy meets Ta- girl. Yeah, tale as old as time, you know? Yeah. Tale as old as time. You have any, have you uh, done anything like that to. To your, to your co-hosts, any kind of long game? Uh, can you share any of those stories? You know, uh, we, we <laughs> the, the best long con was uh, there's an episode of Jokers where uh, there was a, we told Sal to jump up on a federal statue and grab the statue's nose, right? He mm-hmm. like yield, uh, you know, I got your nose, bitch, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. In, all, in, in reality, about two weeks after we filmed that, we got a letter in the office uh, from Homeland Security asking us to explain ourselves because that it was a federal monument. You can't do that. Right. And we actually broke the law doing it. So Sal sees his letter. He's like, Holy shit, this is crazy. He did. He unbeknownst to him. We sent a response back in from the TV show, explained what was going on, blah, blah, blah. No harm, no foul. They, they dismissed the case. No problem. They didn't find us or anything like that. We did not tell him that. <laughs> what we did was we took the Homeland security letter and every month we would send another letter from Homeland security coming to the office Still asking for more details, footage, and so forth. And it went on for a year, and the letters got more and more threatening from security, and it ultimately led to him and the uh, the showrunner for Jokers getting called in uh, to a deposition at Homeland Security. And uh, we actually had a government office we were able to find, uh, and they let us use it. And so we got called in in his spare time. He wasn't filming. Not knowing he's on the TV show, and this woman is federal government agent, a SOB, and she just grilled Sal on it and threatened to shut down the TV show. And sure enough, about two weeks later, they passed their judgment on the show. And oh. Homeland Security comes to set to shut us down and to take Sal into custody. All for this thing that happened a year earlier, and it was all a long con prank on the show. It was my favorite one. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that is. Uh... Sal's face. <laughs> it was great. It was a great. So, long so none none of that was on camera. It was all on camera. As oh, the okay. Letter would come in, you know, but he didn't know it was being filmed for the TV show. Oh, know? okay. Yeah, and the homeless security <laughs> deposition, he didn't realize it was hidden cameras in the room. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, I can't get past that now. Um, <laughs> now. <laughs> So national treasure. Um, yeah. 
No, uh, actually, uh, again, we're tangents galore here. So, uh, Illuminati, you being in the biz now, what, 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 how can you debunk the Illuminati? What, what? I, I, look, I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny being a member of the Illuminati myself. Right. You know, first rule of Fight Club, right? First rule of Fight Club. Yeah. No Illuminati. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, you know, gosh, here's the problem. Well, first of all, we're not nearly famous enough or rich enough to be in the Illuminati. Hopefully one day, Illuminati, if you are listening, fax me. Like, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk, baby. So I, I do have the uh, Illuminati only fax number set up in my house. I'm hoping they keep it on 24-7, hoping the call comes in. Uh, I just want to go to the parties, really. You know, I've heard right. of the parties. Yeah. Lots yeah. of blindfolds. You know. Eyes wide shut stuff. Yeah. Lots of blindfolds and just touching, you know. Just touching. I just want the touching. A lot of other senses. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just eager to find out what – I just want to be in the club, so to speak. But uh, I think Illuminati is, uh, you know, don't call us, we'll call you kind of thing. Uh, I, 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 here's wait, wait, the hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So now we know Murr wants to be blindfolded and do the touching. That's kind of where you are. That's not who your preference is. <laughs> you know, somebody could just blindfold me and make me feel around a room and say this part of the Illuminati. And be like, I believe it. I'm a sucker for conspiracies. I believe yeah. it. <laughs> I do think that there's a fair amount of truth to stuff like this. I do think that there are power brokers in the world that are operate at a level that we will yeah. never understand or realize, you know, for sure. That being said, the government still can't pave the BQE, which is the highway in New York city. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like they, they can't, right, yeah. why can't they still not repair an elevated uh, highway? You know, <laughs> if they're all powerful and so on and so forth. That being said, I was a sucker for X-Files. Were you guys X-Files? Yeah. Fan? Yeah. Love yeah. X-Files. Man, there's a, you know, X-Files really dives into that stuff really well. Like when you go back and watch it, if you watch it in tandem with Ancient Aliens, what a great, what a great night with wine, you know? <laughs> it really is. It's a nice relaxing evening. Great, great fun. Great fun. <laughs> what, what's your, uh, I assume this is your favorite Nicolas Cage movie. If if not, uh, other than this, what's your what's your favorite Nicolas Cage movie? Man, we, we go on Nick Cage. Uh, gosh, I, I have so many. Have you seen Pig, <laughs> the new one that just came out? No, I have it in my queue. I, I've, great, not, I've not watched it's, it yet. Really good. It's very understated. There's one scene. It, it, the movie may not be for everybody. It's slow, slow burn. Right. But it's just interesting and different. And he's an interesting character in it. But there's one scene, maybe two thirds through, of him. I'm not giving it anything away. Him with the head chef of a restaurant sitting down in that restaurant. It's like a two minute scene, and it's a masterclass in acting. He dismantles the chef with very few words. It's great. It really is a fantastic scene. You have to watch it just for that scene. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. Uh, you know, an absolutely bonkers movie came out during quarantine. Uh, Willie's Wonderland. Do you see? <laughs> I haven't. I've this one. I've heard good things about that one. You got to watch it. A friend of ours made it and uh, you got to watch it because you get a few minutes in the movie. You're like, okay, this, this is fun, different, quirky. And then like 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the movie, you're like, they're not about to do what I think they're going to do. A half hour into the movie, you're like, they're, they're not doing this. Are they actually doing this? And by the end of the movie, you're like, holy shit, they did it. Oh, man. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Trust me, you'll know in the first 10 minutes, you're like, yeah. okay. Then 20 minutes, and you're like, wait a second. And a half hour, you're like, are they going to do this? And then they do it. And you're like, so, fuck, this is great. It's so I don't, I, I don't have to ask myself, will they do it? Because I know they're going to do it now. You get what you want. Yeah. At the end. You get <laughs> exactly what you want by the end. I love uh, that. You know, cool. I mean, gosh, the heyday, uh, the rock holds up, man. Love that movie. Yeah. Holds up. We watched it again maybe six months ago. Holds up. Yeah. And you get Sean Connery with mixed in with Nick Cage. So Are you kidding good. me? And, and, yeah. and Ed Harris, too. Yeah, that's right. Ed and, Harris. And yeah. Best, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, it's And uh, what's his name from uh, Terminator? Uh, uh, Reese, uh, what's his name uh, in oh, real life? Michael Bain. Yeah, oh, yeah, Michael Bain. Bain. Yeah, Michael that's right. Bain, right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you got... What a great, great cast. Holds up to this day. Probably because of... Probably because Sean Connery is so good, so it, it offsets Nick Cage's manicness, you know? <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it takes itself seriously. That's the great thing about the movie, you know? 
Uh, I have a soft spot for uh, the family man. For some reason, that like that's not like your action Nick Cage movie, but I I love that movie. That is just to me just a brilliant, you know, kind of time travel kind of movie, time warping. I guess you could say Um, one that I go back to, and I wish I loved it more because I love the idea of it so much. Is is it? I think it's called Knowing. Yes. I was going to bring this one Can up. Can I get the name right? Yeah, knowing. Uh, man, it, what a great idea, right? It's about yeah. this guy that is starting to... Uh, he, 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 uh, oh, my God, it starts the same way. Nick Cage digs up a... Uh, or his, they, the school that his kid goes to, they dig up their um, time capsules from like 50 years earlier, mm-hmm. right? And in the time capsules, like the scribblings of a child that is, has been institutionalized or 20 years earlier or whatever. And, uh, and it's just a series of numbers and codes. And Nick Cage, who is... Uh, a scientist, or astronomer, or mathematician, whatever, sees a pattern in the codes, right? Uh, when that, when Knowing came out, it was a bunch of movies like that came out. Uh, uh, Jim Carrey did a movie called um, the, Twenty Seven. Yeah, the yeah number tw- room. Uh, yeah, number 23? 23 Was it twenty seven? Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, twenty three. Yeah. So a bunch of movies came out around the same time with people that can decipher codes, right? And so Nick Cage sees this cipher, if you will, uh, this code in the scribblings from a kid that they thought was insane from 25 or 30 years earlier or 50 years earlier from Time Capsule. And it turns out that the kid has predicted in the code every major uh, trauma on Earth, every major accident, 9-11, the kid predicted, and the exact number of deaths, uh, plane crashes and the exact number of deaths. Mm-hmm. And he sees that, you know, uh, the kid is predicting something cataclysmic at the end. Uh, I love that shit, man. What yeah. a movie. I think, what? actually, I think um, that's a very underrated movie, and I would highly recommend everyone to go out and watch Knowing. It's really good. The score is good. The acting is good. The Yeah, it goes a totally different way than I thought at the end, right? Yeah. You think, again, you think it's just going to end with the end of the world kind of you know, uh, cataclysmic, apocalyptic kind of thing. And it goes into like an alien thing at the end, which is totally out of left field. Yeah. Super cool. And uh, that is underrated. Uh, my favorite, if I had to choose, other than National Treasure, Nick Cage movie, this should have been a podcast just about Nick Cage. Basically. I know. It, <laughs> it, it can be at this point. <laughs> I tell you guys, before we end to a, a funny Nick Cage story, the only, one and only time I've met him, I'll tell you about that in a second. But uh, Con Air, man. Oh, yeah. I was about to ask about Con Air. Con Air is underrated, too. What a great movie. I think that might be him at his most badass. Like, that is just him just totally just owning his character and just just totally being a badass. You know, know? it's wild. You know what I mean? The iconic line from it is, um, you know... um, why did you put the bunny back in the box? Yeah. <laughs> put it back in the box. Only in a line only he could deliver. I will tell you, uh, I know we only have like 10 minutes, but I do want to share the one and only time we've ever met Nick Cage. So years ago, the guys and I were filming uh, in Practical Jokers. We were filming at the world famous Carnegie Dale in New York City, right? I think it was the episode where Joey Vitone uh, was on. He was, oh, okay. I'm Joey Tone and I just shit my pants. He announces to uh, <laughs> Carnegie Deli. Anyways, we're there at the end of the day. We finished filming at Carnegie Deli. We've got to run downtown to go film another bit. And Nicholas Cage is eating alone in Carnegie Deli, just <laughs> eating pastrami sandwich. And I freak out. I was like, holy shit, it's Nick Cage. National Treasure, my favorite movie, Con Air, face off. I freak out. My face turns beet red, right? <laughs> so Sal, cue the like, you have to go say something. Yep. So we're awkwardly doing the walk by his table to see if he recognizes us. Nothing. Not a single shred of recognition on his face. I was like, shit, <laughs> he doesn't know the show. I, and people coming up to him. And I was like, you know, it, it happens to us too. It was like, the guy is sitting there alone. He just wants to eat a pastrami on rye. Right. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm, I'm going to let him do his thing, right? So we don't go up to him. Anyways. We pack up. We go to leave the restaurant. We're waiting outside to catch a cab downtown to go film the second bit. Nick Cage comes walking out of Carnegie Deli a minute later. The crowd sees him and starts forming around him. Fans are taking photos with us, but nothing like Nick Cage. Nick right. Freaking Cage, right? Yeah. And they immediately go from taking pictures of us to taking pictures with Nick Cage, right? <laughs> overwhelmed by fans you can tell he's kind of flustered he didn't expect to walk out into a crowd of people because the crowd was over there already there taking pictures with us right 
Still no recognition on his face as to who the fuck we are, right? So Joe hails the cab for us, and Nick Cage is getting swarmed by people. So Joe, seeing the opportunity, says, Nick, 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 come on, go, go, go. You want to get in the cab? Come on, jump in the cab. He's going to give his cab over to Nick Cage. So Nick Cage jumps in the cab and says, thank you so much. Keep in mind, Joe is still wearing the Carnegie Jelly T-shirt. <laughs> Later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Cage thinks he's a valet for Carnegie Jelly. <laughs> reaches into his wallet. It's a, it's a scorpion wallet, a scorpion clip, a money clip. Takes out $20 and tips Joe $20 for getting the <laughs> <laughs> the ballet for Carnegie Deli. But looks at the three of us. I say to Joe, Joe, you keep that goddamn $20 bill. Joe takes the bill, slams the car door shut, slaps on the side of the taxi, and the car speeds away. <laughs> to this day, we have a $20 bill tipped to us by Nicolas Cage, not realizing that we're on a practical joke. That is really unreal. Fantastic. What did this, did that air? No, we were waiting outside for a cab. Yeah, a- oh, okay. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was real life. It just yeah, real life. It was real, bro. But we have a picture of it. Uh, My iPhone is updating the new blah blah blah. If you search, uh, maybe you guys can post a picture of this. Type in uh, Salvo Count and Nicholas Cage. The photo has been made public. Uh, It's him and me and Nick Cage in a photo, and Nick Cage looks shell shocked. I'm uh, yeah, sell. I'm I'm googling it now. You know, waste. (laughs) (laughs) I have to. I have to. I don't know what. Let's see. Uh oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, Whoa, I love how (laughs) he's got the beard and everything. His his hair is. It looks like he's almost photoshopped. <laughs> oh, that's great! You can see how Nick Cage did not look thrilled to me. No. <laughs> look at Sal. Sal so earnest and happy. So while, while I am a huge fan of Nick Cage, I don't think the feeling is mutual, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> well, you know, maybe someday. Okay. Well, one day I hope to make a better impression. All the impractical jokers I saw were on HBO Max, so you know, maybe he'll be scrolling one day and and see it there and you know just, i hope so uh, I, I like i like to think that i exist in a world where nick cage knows i exist yeah, yeah. he'd be like Same. it's good to see that valet made something of himself yeah. what's what's one thing what's your biggest pet peeve of someone coming up to you i mean obviously i'm sure you're a nice guy and everything but is there is there a point where you're like why are you coming up coming up to me now like what no, you know i'm 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 really good with that side gosh you have to remember guys like we we didn't get impractical jokers who are 35 years old. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we failed for our entire lives. It took forever. It took 11 years to get on TV, you know? So like for me, it was always a dream from high school. So like when fans come up, I, I think of it as, I don't get annoyed by it at all. I think it's a blessing. Like I'm like, I wanted that my whole life. Just right. Yeah. Create something good, you know, that actually was fun and good. And people liked like, you know, so much of like what life is, is, failure and rejection and you know it's just you you never feel like you're good enough to come up with a good, good product or something that will hit uh and, and it's just like when we finally get it i'm like i think it's it's awesome we've had some weird experiences fans don't get me wrong like i'll give yeah. you a couple. <laughs> so please. the weirdest encounter i ever had was uh years ago i go to see a giants game and i'm at, at the stadium it's halftime and uh, I go to use the men's room, and in Giant Stadium in New York City, or well, New Jersey, actually, uh, in Giant Stadium in the men's rooms, there's like 30 urinals, urinals in a row. There's no divider between the urinals, and you're literally shoulder to shoulder with dudes. It's yeah. so uncomfortable as a guy. You know what it's like, yeah. right? Yes. Almost as bad as the truck. There's a line of like 10 guys behind you waiting for you to finish, like like six inches behind you. <laughs> Right. And the guy at the urinal, he's literally shoulder to shoulder, looks over at me, recognizes me. I was like, dude, stop looking at me. I think you know, <laughs> recognizes me. And he goes in, leans in close and whispers. He goes, Am I on TV right now? <laughs> he asks on TV right now. As if we're filming a challenge in a men's room at a Giants game. I said, dude, no. <laughs> you're, you're, you're genitalia safe. We are not filming. <laughs> In a men's room at Giant Stadium. Yeah, maybe you're just doing a, a circumcision check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should. You probably should. You probably should have said. Be allowed to film in a bathroom anyway. <laughs> we have weird encounters like that. You know, the other weird thing is like people always think we're together. Like, yeah, you have a life outside of it. Like, I, <laughs> one was 
uh, my wife and I got married a year ago, and we went on our honeymoon. We, uh, my whole life, I dreamed of going to one place on my honeymoon. Uh, there's a, a specific resort too. It wasn't even a location; it was a specific place. I'd seen pictures of it for a decade, uh, long before Joker's. I never thought I'd be, have the means to go. It's half, it's half, literally halfway around the world. It's in the Maldives. Oh. You know, it's a specific resort there. It's one of those places you've seen pictures of it, right? They have those over-the-water bungalows. You know, oh right, yeah, going down to the ocean. Like, yeah. I never thought I'd have the ability to go. Uh, I never thought I'd find love and I'd be able to go because you're not going to go there alone. <laughs> like, yeah. sit there in the middle of the Indian Ocean in this resort, like, what the hell are they doing? You know? uh, all, all I'm doing is reading a copy of The Stowaway. You know? Right. <laughs> what do I do, right? So I, I never thought I, I'd get married, find love, and uh, or have the means to go. And, and I, I, I did last year. And so we fly, it's literally three flights to get there. You fly to Dubai, then you take a smaller plane to the Maldives, and then you take a, 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 a seaplane like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Well, I hate snakes, Jack. You know? <laughs> One of those kind of planes. Literally, scary. I had no shoes on. No, <laughs> no I could reach up and touch the pilot's bare feet, right? Oh, wow. So, anyways. <laughs> So you take this little teeny prop plane, a seaplane, to the specific island you're going to. And we're literally, man, we've been traveling for like 22 hours to get there. Three flights. You're drenched in sweat by the time you get there. There's no air conditioning on the last flight. And you get there, and uh, I get this little teeny island with like a total of like 20 people on it. And this this fan happens to recognize me. (laughs) So please, one of the staff... And he, I'm clearly on my honeymoon. And the guy says, where's Joe Salen Q? <laughs> 22 hours around the world All right. with me on my honeymoon. Like, the like, most romantic place in the world. I'm there with my newlywed wife. Clearly we're on our honeymoon. And, I, and the guy's like, where are the guys? <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's I take a let's, let's take a guy's trip to this romantic place. You know, let's let's, let's obviously let's just hang out, together. guys. I mean, it's not complete if it's just one of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. People, people are silly. They are silly, but uh, but yeah, that's that's great. I love that you have that you know perspective. Like you said, you got the show when you were thirty five, so you have this perspective of you know being you know well, you trying to make you, you it. Already talked to Q. I listened to uh, that podcast too. It was great, by the way. And uh, I mean, you guys know, I mean, we were regular guys long before this. And uh, right. Yeah. You know, regular jobs and had regular lives and uh, just got, you know, very, very fortunate. And uh, they have what we had for uh, haves, you know, as long as we had had it, you know, definitely fantastic. And I love love that. I just because I think and Q was, you know, we're trying to Well, Q Q was very humble. And I think you kind of have the same sense. um, And it's great. I mean, look, look. Look, Jay, and I here I took a page from that episode. I said, "You are big, James. You know, you you flew halfway around the world and the most random person ever <laughs> knew who you were. So it's okay to take a bow a little bit, but it's great that you have. Yeah, that we're, we're not that kind of guys, you know. We we yeah. are um, uh, the, the good thing about being in a TV show with my best friends is several things. One is none of us have to go through this alone, which is great, yeah. you know. And, and the other thing is that we keep each other grounded at all times. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Because there, there's three guys that at, at moments notice are looking to call me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> looking. The first time I wrote a book, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're real, man. Like, you can never get, your ego can never be too appalled to be surrounded by Sal, Joe, and Q. Forget it. You know? so, uh, yeah. Destroyed. Destroyed. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you can't, I can't even pick up a hobby. Yeah. hobby. They torture me over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, the day I started, because of Joe, he started getting his eyebrows threaded. So I was like, you know, I got big, bushy Italian eyebrows. I started getting threaded. And then then, then they, they immediately, when they found out I get my eyebrows threaded, they freaking torture me over it, right? <laughs> they keep my eyebrows off. <laughs> oh my god it's, yeah not you don't have to worry about the, what the public thinks you have to worry about what these guys are gonna tease you about not what twitter is gonna go after you about or anything it's, so any, it's yeah any new shirt <laughs> any what you're gonna go play golf like any new thing they just got they, they're gonna rib you on it <laughs> anything anything and everything so we, we but, each other very 
hyper real. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, respect your time. So uh, yeah, don't don't want to keep you much longer. Is there anything else you wanted to plug or anything? Well, uh, uh, gosh, uh, uh, well, I hope we do- dove into a little bit of natural treasure. I know. <laughs> I know we're all over the place, but that's what this hour is. Uh, seriously, pick it up. Watch it. It's a great movie. Uh, the Stowaway is out in stores right now. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, get a copy. It is a great action-packed thriller. You will not be able to uh, put it down once you start reading it, and you won't be able to guess who the killer is until the very end. If you'd like an autographed copy of The Stowaway, go to meetmer.com, M-E-E-T, meetmer.com, and I'll send you a copy from my living room to your living room. There you go. Boom. Excellent. There you go. I mean, is there is there any other thoughts on National Treasure you wanted to mention? I know, again... I, Fingers I, yeah. crossed, uh, number three will come out. It's it's been in fair stage of, stages of development, how, but let's keep our fingers crossed because, gosh, this is meant to be a trilogy, isn't it? I think yeah. so. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, mean, great comeback for Nick Cage. I know he needs the money. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, well Merge. Give him that 20 bucks. I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> return the favor and give him that 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. That, that, oh, man. If you got full circle that way, That's able to give him a tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Mur, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for uh thanks for so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right, folks. Well there you have it. Murr from Impractical Jokers. Make sure you check out his book. Check out Impractical Jokers. Uh and yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. Hope you had a lot of fun listening. But uh, all right. Again, follow us on Instagram at Blockbuster Mentality and Twitter at Blockbuster Cast. Rate, review us on iTunes, blah, 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 blah. You know the drill. All right, folks. Well, that is it for me, for Dave and Murr. I'm Ben. And as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies. Yeah.